Good evening, everyone. Could you back in front again? Uh, the last time I was here, I was talking about getting out of the pit. I'm sure. On that note, should I kill the donkey or should I keep it? <laughs> keep it. I'll keep the donkey. Right. Um, moving on, I'm talking about iron sharpening iron today. Uh, Proverbs 27:17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend." I took some time to think about the processes involved in sharpening iron, and it's not an easy process for the iron that is being sharpened and the one that is sharpening. What happens is uh, the iron that's being sharpened is put into the fire, and then it's put on the anvil and it's hammered until it gets into shape. And as if that is not enough, it gets put in a vise and then another piece of iron comes on it and it files it. And that process is a painful process for both pieces of iron because some shavings come out of the one that is being, uh, uh, that is being sharpened and bits of pieces come off from the one that is sharpening as well. So at the end of it all, the one that is being sharpened looks nice and shiny, and it's very sharp. So although it's a painful process, at the end of the day, it is uh, very good for the iron that's being sharpened. The question then is, how does that apply to us as humans? Well, in order to be sharpened, I think we need to be willing to be sharpened. There's no point to say, you're going to sharpen someone that's not willing to be sharpened because they're not going to listen to you. Whatever you try is not going to work. The Bible tells us that we should not be equally yoked with unbelievers. Second Corinthians six fourteen. it says, do not be equally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? Why is Paul asking, I mean, telling the Corinthians not to be yoked with unbelievers? I think it's a, a pretty clear thing here. Imagine in business, if you were doing business with someone that is uh, not from a Christian belief or from other religion, how things will begin to become antagonistic, how you'll begin to compromise to meet that person. Because many of, most of the times we do things, we say things to try and be politically correct. And by so doing, we are compromising our Christian faith. So we try to do that to keep harmony within the business. We try to do that to keep harmony with what, within whatever organization we are in. But in, so, in compromising, we are actually putting ourselves at at risk or at harm's way because God tells us how we should live, but by compromising, 
we are veering away from what we should be doing. I mentioned earlier on uh, this morning about when you veer one degree from where you're supposed to be going, uh, in the long run, you find you are 100 kilometers away from your destination in terms of uh, you are supposed to be that way, you end up in, in the other way. So it is very important that as believers, we stand firm and we are aligned with God's will. So how do we sharpen one another then? James 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And going on to verse 19, it says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns the sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So the, the Bible is quite clear that uh, if someone veers from the truth, we need to bring them back. But we need to do that in love. We need to, Pete always says that we need to nurture and love one another. And Kath was saying she found a piece of paper in her pocket and first word that she met, she saw was nature. Yeah. So we need to be considerate in how we do it. We need not to avoid the truth, but we present the truth in love, as the, as the Bible tells us. It is also our responsibility to look after one another according to the word of God. Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the, from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. So we always ought to do whatever we do with a loving heart. We need to remember, however, when we do that, that we need to look at ourselves first before we can see what other people are doing. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that judge not that you will not be judged. For whatever judgment you judge with, you will also be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the blank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, and look a blank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the blank from your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it is important in whatever we are doing that we examine our hearts because uh, what good is it for me to go and say, Keith, you've been doing this and this and that, while I've been doing worse than Keith has been doing. I need to look at my heart first, put things right with the Lord before I can go and say to someone they've been doing things wrong. I need to make sure I am right with the Lord before I can be in a position to correct other people. And it says in Thessalonians 5, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. So it is important that uh, we 
look at each other and see where others are falling or failing and support them because we are a family together. We need to be supporting each other in everything that we do. We need to be teaching each other according to the word. Um, we see in First Samuel when Saul was in, in the woods hiding from Saul, from uh, Solomon, sorry. Jonathan came to Saul and said, sorry, I'm mixing things up. It was Saul that was ran, running after David. So David was hiding in the woods because he had inquired of the Lord and the Lord told him that Saul was not going to get him. So we see Jonathan going to David and he says, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall, be, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So, it is important that when we are facing difficulties, that we go and uh, comfort each other and support each other in the Lord, because that's what he calls us to do. The next thing is uh, accountability. We need to be accountable in everything that we do. But first, of, first and foremost, we need to know that we are accountable only to God. It is God that we are answerable to. And we can try and please people, but we will never be able to please people in any shape or form. The Bible tells us that we ought to fear God and not men. It says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So in whatever you do, don't try and please men because uh, trying to please men will get you nowhere. Instead, it will get you into trouble with your Lord. And you are supposed to make things right with God as the first thing that you do. I've heard uh, of a story of a farmer and his son. I'll ask you to put a video on. And if you could uh, pay attention to the video for a few minutes. A man and his clumsy son were once going with their donkey to the animal fair. As they were walking along by its side, a villager met them and said, Why don't you ride upon the donkey? So the man put the boy on the donkey and they went on their way. met a group of men, one of whom said, Ha! See that lazy boy! <laughs> he lets his father walk while he rides. So the boy got off the donkey and the man rode on it himself. said to the other, <laughs> look at that lazy man, he is 
making his poor son walk. The man was confused and didn't know what to do. This time, he set his boy before him on the donkey. Once they reached the town, people began to laugh and point at them. The man stopped and asked them what they were laughing at. One man said, Aren't you ashamed of yourself for overloading that poor donkey with you and your clumsy son? The man and boy got off and tried to think what to do. They thought for a while. Then they cut down a tree. donkey's feet to it and raised the tree and the donkey to their shoulders. <laughs> Whoever saw them laughed. So as you can see my donkey is hanging now. <laughs> well the moral of the story is Basically, you can't please men. As we have seen, they have been taking turns on riding on the donkey, walking next to the donkey, and now they are even carrying the donkey. So no matter how hard you try, you will not be able to please people. So what you need to fight for is to please, is to please the Lord rather than trying to please people. We need to encourage one another in the Lord rather than making fun of each other. You're allowed to do that in freedom, though. <laughs> <laughs> but in the right way. <laughs> in love, yes. So the Lord is challenging us to call upon him. He will show us mighty and great things. It says in Jeremiah 33.3 that when we call upon the Lord, he will show us mighty and great things. So we need to call upon him and he will show us. And the next point that uh, we can sharpen one another is through love. Um, I didn't mention this to you earlier this morning. When I was preparing... Yesterday, God spoke to me, and I kind of was a bit disobedient. And he used you this morning to remind me that I need to be obedient. It says, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. All these words which I command you today, you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as, sign, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as front, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. 
So the Lord gave me the scripture yesterday, but I had not included it in my uh, preparation until you read it again this morning. So it then dawned to me that uh, what was being said also in the prayer meeting about taking time to listen was uh, a word that was for me. So loving the Lord involves doing what is right and keeping his commandments and his statutes. It means surrendering our will and taking up on God's will and saying, Lord, let your will be done over my life. Sometimes we tend to take the easy option out and say, we'll take the matters into our hands. But what we need to remember is what the Lord says in his word, that vengeance is his. So whatever situation that we may be faced with, we need to surrender it to the Lord and let him deal with it on our behalf. We need to know that he is God. He reminds us in Leviticus 19 that we shall not take vengeance or bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he says, I am the Lord. So it is very, very important that we get to know where we stand. We at we ought to encourage one another and carry each other's burdens. If someone is not been in the church for a couple of weeks, it is our responsibility to find out if everything is okay with them. I'll ask to read something for you. No, okay. A member of the church who previously had been attending services regularly stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a chilly evening. The pastor found a man at home alone, sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for his pastor's visit, the man welcomed him, led him to a comfortable chair near the fireplace, and waited. The pastor made himself at home, but said nothing. In a grave silence, he contemplated the dance of the flames around the burning logs. After some minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning coal and placed it into one side of the hearth all alone and then sat back down in his chair, still silent. The host watched all of this in quiet contemplation. As one lone ember's flame flickered and diminished, there was a momentary glow and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. The pastor glanced at his watch and realized it was time to leave. He slowly stood up, picked up the cold, dead coal and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow, once more with the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said with a tear running down his cheek, thank you so much for your visit and especially for the fiery sermon. I will be back in church next Sunday. Thank you, Vex. So, there's, uh, there's two morals to this story. The first one is, uh, are we looking after one another when someone is not in the church? Are we taking time to go to them? Are we taking time to find out if they are okay, if there is any problems? 
I will urge us as a church to make sure we, we begin to do that or continue to do that if we're already doing it. And the second moral is, when the pastor took out the coal from the fire, it had been burning, and when he put it out, the flame continued just for a short time, and it died out. So if you decide to go on your own and not be with other brethren who are equally minded as you, you will lose that sharpness. You need to stay within the company of the people who are in the Lord. Then you will keep that flame uh, burning. Uh, there is a saying uh, that my wife always uses. It says, one hand does not clap on its own. It needs another hand for, it to, for them to clap and make a sound. So we as a church, we need each other to support each other so that we can continue with the work of the Lord. We need, we need that encouragement from one another. So I'll urge you to make sure, if you are not in any community group or house group, make sure you join one. Make sure you keep in contact with other people. In that way, you are able to be kept sharpened. And my final point refers mainly to me. It's about obedience. It says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord great, <coughs> has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin which is like witchcraft and stubbornness is an, as an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So, Sometimes we might uh, take things for granted and say, oh, it doesn't really, he didn't really say it or it doesn't apply to me. But it does apply to you. When it gets to your, to your mind, to your ears, to your heart, God has said it to you. You need to weigh it and act on it. Because if you disobey, you will, you will die and we don't want to die. I would rather I obey and stay alive in the Lord than disobey and die. And one most important thing that we need to do as a church is to obey our leaders. And they are put there by the Lord. They are not self-elected. They are appointed into those ministries that they are in because the Lord has called by name, has called them by name, and He has put them there. So we need to do our part as the church and obey our leaders. This is not something that I'm making up. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out over your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience 
in all things, desiring to live honorable. Amen. Thank you.